It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, how are you doing today? I'm all right. You know what I'm saying? Coming off the All-Star Weekend, it's exciting to to watch all the stars assemble and put on a show. So excited to talk about everything we saw and some midseason stuff. Yeah, our... I don't know why I had such issues speaking right there, but I did. So for today's episode, we're going to talk about that All-Star game you just mentioned. And um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we're going to talk about some of our early season awards and Stanley's predictions, all that stuff, and how it's stacking up to now, how the rewards are looking for the future. Oh, it'll be, it'll be fun. But first, we're going to talk about Blake Griffin, who just signed with the Brooklyn Nets. He was bought out, and he agreed to leave $13.3 million of his $75 million remaining guaranteed contract uh, on the table, which I thought meant that he was going to get the mini MLE from the Brooklyn Nets. And I wrote a whole bunch of breakdown <laughs> about how cool that was and all the cap machinations that were in play and all that stuff, and he just wound up taking the vet minimum. And I wasted a little bit of time. Which sucks. I'm not happy about it. Um, hey, you know for a fact in Montreal you're stuck inside anyway, so it doesn't not, even matter if you're going to... I'm doing anything else with my life anyways. <laughs> the Nets reportedly plan to use him as a small ball five. I was, I was hoping we will talk about the complicated stuff. That won't be happening. But I will say, I don't imagine they're going to use their mini MLE before they use the Dinwiddie disabled player exception. And I've heard they won't use either. Mm. They might trade Dinwiddie, but they're not trying to use the MLE at all. And they probably are not going to use the DPE either. I think they are trying to save a little money. Yeah, Yeah. which is interesting. I mean, they're already at like, what? I think it's $140 million payroll. I'll take a look. Like, (laughs) they're they're paying... They're paying all the money. Another Mm -hmm. interesting part of this Blake Griffin deal, before we actually talk about Blake Griffin, is the Andre Drummond trade market kind of froze with Malik Monk becoming a really good NBA player. (laughs) So there's really nobody that could make a trade for Andre Drummond anymore. He's not playing on the Cavs. It looks like he's going to get bought out. By signing Blake Griffin – the Brooklyn Nets have taken themselves out of the Andre Drummond conversation, most likely. I'm not going to rule it out entirely, mm-hmm. but they've already said they want to use Blake Griffin as a small ball five. DeAndre Jordan can only play the five. Nicholas Claxton can only play the five. Reggie Perry is on their 15-man roster and can only play the five. Andre Drummond is not playing the four for you. That is one-third of your roster dedicated to one slot on the floor. All of them only play the five. So I mean, I'm say no Drummond, which is yeah. interesting. It means either that they think there is a tra- Drummond trade market, or they just don't think he's going to get bought out. Both interesting things. I mean, I think for for Drummond right now, obviously it's been a little while since we've seen him on the floor. I. That buyout is going to be an interesting thing if it happens. I saw a report today, obviously, that, that it gets John excited when it looks like the Lakers are going to be in the, 
position to try to go after Andre Drummond in a buyout. I don't know how much of that is just uh, news coming out of L.A. because they got to say something. But I think if he does hit the open market, it is going to be a, a race to see who can get him. There's a lot of teams, obviously, that could benefit from having someone who could protect the paint for them going into these playoffs. So he's going to be a hot commodity, especially if he's a buyout free agent, free agent next season. Like he's going to look look like an appealing piece for a lot of teams. Definitely. And just to, to talk a little bit about Blake Griffin, I've heard two extremes, and I've heard very little in the middle. <laughs> very little in the middle. I've heard people go on and on. Oh, Blake Griffin, he put up 20 and 24, and, and he, he, he had the second – I actually wrote it. He had the third most step-back threes two seasons ago, so I'm going to stop doing my, my idiot voice because I wrote that down. Um, <laughs> but they're basically, oh, look, Blake Griffin, he could be so good. Lob City! Lob City! Stop with that. Just stop. He's not that good. And then I've heard people being like, the dude can't play. He, he cannot play. Have you watched him on the Pistons? He, he hasn't dunked the basketball. He can't dunk the basketball. Stop! Stop! He's six foot ten with like a 7'2 wingspan. He can dunk the basketball without jumping, okay? I barely have to jump the dunk. And it's still, and I couldn't, <laughs> I'm not going to get on myself here. We're not roasting me. Um, he's Griffin, also probably got a, a bigger wingspan than you, so. He definitely does. <laughs> and he, I think he's an inch taller too, so don't come at me, man. Um, Blake Griffin definitely can still dunk. Stop. Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin, at worst, is not a bad signing. Let's just say it. Is he most likely going to return to all-star form from two years ago? No, he's dealing with a lot of surgeries. He's done a lot. I, I, he's going to take a while. It's not, he's not there anymore. It's fine. Mm-hmm. He's still a great player. He's still literally, I mean, he was the, he hit the third most step back threes last two seasons ago behind James Harden and Luka Doncic. Like the dude can shoot now. And yep. he, I mean, he's, I looked through the basketball references when he's played over 20 minutes a game. At taking like 12 threes, he shoots really badly. Mm-hmm. Plays less than 20 minutes and he shoots four. He's hitting most of them. He's above 50% on threes in games where he plays less than 20 minutes, if I remember correctly. I might have to pull those stats up. Mm-hmm. The dude can shoot still. The dude yeah. can play still. He makes smart plays. If you've been watching the Pistons, you one thing that you notice when you're watching Blake Griffin is he makes smart plays. He makes the savvy veteran moves, the screens that aren't really screens but are screens and wreck wreck defenders. Mm-hmm. The dude knows how to play. Yeah, I think that's what this Brooklyn Nets team seems to be all about is just trying to put as many basketball minds in the room as you can and just let it work itself out. And I think Blake Griffin is a beautiful addition to this group. Like At, at worst, like you said, he signed a vet min. It's not a lot of money going to Blake Griffin for one season. And at worst, you already had guys you were comfortable playing. Like, they're already comfortable running DJ, Jeff Green, and KD at the five for 48 minutes in a night. They don't need Blake Griffin to do that. They have Nick Claxton for the four extra minutes. So even if he turns out that his knees are done and he won't be able to play another NBA minute, which I hope obviously I hope not. is not true, that would be really then sad. they're going to have a lot of pieces when he is able to play again. He's an incredibly smart guy. He's played with a lot of these guys throughout his career in Team USA from young ages. They're all from around the same draft classes. Like these guys have played together since they were 14, 15 years old. And if there's anyone who's really going to 
unlocked like, like you're talking about guys pick and roll with James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Steve Nash is the coach and Mike D'Antoni's there like there's so many great great basketball minds working with him I don't James, see how he couldn't be good dude a James Harden pick and roll where he gets double teamed Blake Griffin catches it on the short roll and is now playing four on three with KD me, Kyrie and Joe Harris on the wings you're telling me that that's not a bucket in nine out of ten possessions, dude. Even if it's with like the bench, even if it's Timothy Luawo, Tim, like Luawo Cabarrell, Larry yeah, was... Shaman, and Jeff Green, that's still a bucket nine out of ten times. Like their bench is nice. Their, their bench is nice. I said that I'm like that's nice. Mm-hmm. I'm like every one of those guys. Like I'm like there is a team that every one of those guys would start on. Like yeah, so I think this is gonna be a match made in heaven. I'm excited to see what. They're kind of like Steve Nash, obviously played with Amari Stoudemire for a good amount of his time in Phoenix. That one four pick and roll was insane. Coached by Mike D'Antoni. Now you bring those two guys on a coaching staff with Kyrie Irving and you give him DJ and Blake Griffin to run pick and rolls with and lobs and James Harden. I think it's it could be crazy the amount of fun they're going to have on the basketball court in Brooklyn. I hope they can get a few more fans in the building for it too. Yeah, have they, they, I know they're letting fans into MSG. Are they letting fans into the Bar- Barclays Center? I believe so. I think that, I know they have at least had some healthcare workers on certain nights. So that's good. That's what I right. love to see. Moving on. Chaz, that All Star game, it happened. Mm-hmm. You can say anything you want about that All Star game. But I'll tell you one thing it definitely happened. That All Star game was played. There were at least five basketball players on the floor running up and down, putting the ball into the net. For what was it, 48 minutes? Did they do 12 minute quarters or whatever? For at least 30, 30 minutes because the, the weird ending, which mm-hmm. I enjoy, not gonna lie. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't enjoy it as much last year, but I still enjoyed it. Um, I mean, personally, I found this game really entertaining for what it is and what the NBA was able to do with it. It was a showcasing of the NBA's greatest players, the All Stars, and their talents and their skills. I think it went by very well. They showed a lot of how the game has changed in just the last five years in terms of shot creating and shot making being the primary focus of highlights. And, you know, you think about the all-star game and it's usually all about dunks and alley-oops and full court lobs and things like that. And today it was, or yesterday it was a lot of step back threes. We're just going to pull from half court because we think that we can make them. And And it is what it is. I think that's what the all-star game should be about. I mean, we don't want these guys to play defense. We don't want them to be hurt. Three of the four quarters were only won by one point. You know, like that's a competitive basketball game to me. Uh, For what it is, when Steph Curry and Damian Lillard can't miss threes, there's not much you're going to do except give up 60 points in a quarter. So for, for Team LeBron, it was an exciting game. I thought the NBA did well to keep people entertained and tried to keep the game fun without having the pomp and circumstance of a usual All Star weekend. Like, I'm I'm just going to say it. I was very negative yesterday. I was very negative this morning, and then I watched some highlights, and I realized why I was so negative. Those are the ugliest jerseys I've ever seen in the history of jerseys. Oh, my goodness. They look they look like rejected Indiana Pacers jerseys. They look like Indiana Pacers looked at these jerseys and said, they're not good enough. Get rid of them. And then the NBA was like, let's make them the all-star jerseys. Why not, man? They were so Bad. I thought Lance Stevenson was playing. I thought Jalen Brown was Lance Stevenson at least six times. At least six times I thought Jalen Brown was Lance Stevenson. It was just, watch it. They were just bad, bad, bad jerseys. And it detracted. <laughs> it literally did. 
the the yellow did not look nice. I have to watch my Lakers in a I have to watch my Lakers play in pea yellow every night. I am tired of it. No more jerseys in pea yellow. Go for that gold Miami Heat color or like um Mm-hmm. Man, what was the other one? Uh, is it Indiana has a good gold one. Get one of those colors. Yeah. No more pea yellow. For a second there, I looked at the game. I thought I was watching the Michigan uh, gold versus blue scrimmage before the season started. I was like, oh, it's, it's Jawan Howard on the sideline there. <laughs> Did you watch um, Michigan's, Michigan play Michigan State? Of course I watched Tom Izzo and Jawan Howard get down. That was great. That was a great game. I love that. Of- But back to the All-Star game. I thought it was really good. I'd rather talk about Michigan, though, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, All-Star game MVP, it's a little bit weird given how it was run this year with so many guys just kind of sitting out the second half just because there are so many great All-Stars and the game did seem shortened by the 24 at the end after a blowout. So it was just like Giannis had the most points, I guess, but. Doesn't anyone seem like a real MVP? I know a lot of people were petitioning for Damian Lillard to get it. I think if he had hit like two or three more threes, it would have been good. But he, he ended up with only three points less than Giannis. And 100% for the field, and we took three threes. That's pretty impressive for Giannis. Is that the compo? That's that not, that was, step back the in bank, the corner. The I know you like that open. one. The bank was open for that, man. <laughs> no, but then there is – a lot of other foreign players doing exciting things at the All-Star Weekend as well, in the skills oh. competition specifically. There are some big men who made John a little bit of money this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go some bonus. <laughs> Give me Speaking that money. <laughs> said, bring out the bricks, truck. Speaking of P. Yellow, yeah, Demontis Sabonis in the skills competition. I mean, the skills competition at this point, I don't really know why it's a part of All-Star Weekend. It brought the players apart. don't take it seriously at all. <laughs> That's why I bet on Sabonis. I want you. Okay, I want everyone to know this. I looked at the field and I said, "Who is probably the biggest tryhard in this event?" And I'm like, "Demontis Sabonis." I bet on Demontis Sabonis, and he paid off. He got me that money. It was a good bet. He he said it in his celebration in his championship uh, skills competition trophy interview that he had been upset by being the runner-up last year. So he was really going out there to try to win this year. So. So DeMontis Sabonis had things going. I mean, it produced maybe my favorite highlight of the whole weekend, though, with Shaq just yelling, shoot that bitch at the screen. I feel like that was maybe my favorite part of All-Star Weekend when Shaq decided that all the, the Slavic players were the best shooters that have ever reached the NBA. He's just... <laughs> He's anyone he just... whose name is Vich can shoot. <laughs> That's a oh, yeah. V-I-C for all the viewers at home who are worried about giving us an explicit content rating. Do not. Let's, we are not cousin. Let's shoot that Vich. Vich. V-I-C. Yeah. I think my favorite was Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic <laughs> in the warm-up shirt in yeah. round one. I'm like, he does not care at all. He does, yeah. he does not care at all. Yeah, um, Luka. He didn't even look like he cared in the All-Star game. I mean, the, the only yeah, way I, I feel say. like... The skills competition gets better from here is if we start getting actual, like, real fast guards back. I feel like it's cool that the big men are winning this award and this trophy or whatever, but the guards should really be embarrassed that they can't get through cones and make a pass up and down the floor faster than the big men. That's mm-hmm. literally their job. So if we could get, like, De'Aaron Fox or John Moran, Shea Gilgis in this competition, I think it would be a lot more exciting than Vucevic against the bonus in the finals. I think they need to bring back shooting stars. Shooting stars was fun. 
Mm. Remember Chris Bosh? Chris Bosh was what three for three in his career from half court on that shooting stars drill. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, Speaking of shooting stars, it was a great shootout in the three point contest. I know you had a very happy to see your guy almost go all the way to the end. Lost on the last shot because the greatest shooter of all time just decided he wasn't going to lose this weekend. I would I would have loved to see Mike Conley win that all. I would have loved Mike Conley to take home a little bit of hardware, and you know. But I'm just happy he was there, man. It it just I, mm-hmm. an ode to Mike Conley, man. I love that he finally got his recognition. All these people, all these people are like angry that he didn't that he got in over DeRozan and Shai Gilgis. And I'm like, I get it, I get it. But you know what? In the next two years, they're gonna get rid of conferences in the All Star Game selection. Or they're going to make it a 15-man roster. One of those two things, or both, will happen. I have an article coming up about that. So check that out. It'll be posted whenever my boy Luke <laughs> lets me know. Um, there'll be an like. There will be spots for Shy. There will be Shay. There will be spots for Shay. DeRozan picked up spots in the, in the weak East for years. If Mike Conley had played in the East, he'd be a four, five, six-time All Star right now. Oh, I'm happy he got one. I'm happy he got one as a lifetime achievement so that he's no longer the trivia answer for the greatest player to never make an all-star game. And now we can talk about that stuff again. And uh, mm. I, I guess Monte Ellis, but whatever. And you know what? He came out there and he might have been my favorite Utah Jazz player the whole weekend. I mean, Donovan Mitchell struggled a little bit during the game. And then Rudy Gobert just, just dunking the ball and pretended like he would just dunked over four people when there was nobody within three feet of the paint. Like he was angry. He was he was angry. <laughs> Apparently, he was really salty about uh, LeBron's comments and getting picked yeah, last. I get it. I get it. I'm not going to disrespect him. I can't believe that they said that. I thought everyone. I thought everyone liked Donovan Mitchell. I heard a rumor that it's because they complained about the officials so loudly. Mm. That they were like da 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 da, but I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I think that if I don't believe that, yeah. If, if that's what it is, then I guess the players misunderstood it because it very much didn't seem like Donovan Mitchell was complaining that the refs were like in to get him, but more that they were giving out soft text. And like, I mean, we're gonna talk about that later. Also, you know, we keep foreshadowing <laughs> this episode. We're gonna talk about that later about all this text and how to fix that. Mm. Donovan Mitchell's right. Praise Donovan Mitchell. Last yeah. event of the of the night was the dunk contest, or it was mid midnight, whatever mid game. Mm-hmm. Um, someone needs to take away TNT's mic for that, dude. That was <laughs> ridiculous. What was it? They all were on. Uh, is it Cassius Stanley, Stanley. or Winston? It's Cassius Stanley. 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 I think four of the five of them picked Cassius Stanley, or however many there were, and the other one picked Obi Toppin, mm-hmm. and then Ant won by a landslide. <laughs> There's a lot of trash going on, a lot of a lot of bad takes, a lot of it was, it was I wanted to mute them and like I'm not like a hater. Like it's supposed to be a fun of I'm like, why are they being haters? Why are they being so mean about everyone's dunks? That's a nine, that's an eight, that's a, like, dude, just be excited and be be like, that's so cool that they can do these. And dunked, got the ball at 12 feet in the air and dunked it. <laughs> and got his head in the rim. Mm. Like, 
And, and you know what? I don't think he would have been allowed to kiss the rim. I think it would have been breaking COVID protocols. So that's why he couldn't do it. <laughs> I'll take that. That's the excuse I'm going to use. That's the excuse I'm going to use. I was going for dental surgery. If he actually kissed it, he would have ripped his teeth open. <laughs> Done blood all over the, the rim. We don't need that. Mm. No, we don't. Uh, but I liked, I liked that they brought back old winners to judge. I texted you that I didn't like it at first. Mm. I very quickly began liking it. Yeah. Because they weren't just giving out 50s. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it really, really hurt. Um, it really hurt Cash Stanley. Because that first dunk was a 50 period. But yeah. it was the first dunk of the night. And everyone was like, we can't drop a 50 on the first dunk. And then people didn't even know who he was. Like, nope. they introduced him and nobody even knew who he was. It was... Well, that's the NBA's fault. That's the <laughs> NBA. He's on a two-way. He's on a two-way. The... <laughs> He bouncy though. Like I personally, I knew about Cassius for a while now. Oh, yeah. I've seen we, him do crazy dunks. We we've known about him forever because we we know about him forever because we're basketball junkies. Anyone who's like a basketball basketball junkie at least mm. knew about him because he was supposed to be like a top ten pick, and then he went yeah. to and then he played in the G League all year. I mean, I don't want to say that they should have canceled the dunk contest when like. They couldn't find a fourth player, and like they had to get Cassius Stanley as one of the guys. Might as well have brought up Jalen McHugh at that point. At least, yeah, like Jalen McHugh is more hyped, but like I, I just I'm surprised they couldn't. Like I don't know if they only wanted three guys. I don't know what they were trying mm-hmm. to do, but like it just it doesn't lend to the league looking super cool when you don't have players that play. Yeah. I mean, Ant and Obi Toppin, totally the kind of guys you want in a dunk contest. Six man on the Portland Trailblazers, young, promising rookie on the Knicks. That's that's what you want. And they went in, and they both did a really good job. So I mean, Cassius Stanley did too. He had probably – his first dunk was incredibly impressive. Yeah. And then he kind of flubbed the second one. Yeah, I mean, he, what he tried to do on that second one was pretty crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guy was about to catch it, go underneath the legs and finish on the other side with the reverse. Like, come on, bro. Dude was trying that's, to do that's something too insane. much. That's too much. If he got it, if he got it, I mean, that would have been awesome, but he didn't. But yeah. Ant, Ant had, oh my God, those dunks by Ant were so, so awesome. Friend of the, pro, friend of the program, Ant Pretty Simons. <laughs> yeah. Serious. I'm on the train with you now, John. If I ever get to, to share the court or see him in person, Ant is definitely going to become the most bounciest human I've ever stepped foot on a basketball floor with because. This kid, he flies like he goes up. Even that's the the three sixty to win at the end. Like he bounced up off the ground like there was a trampoline in the restricted area. Like his kid's it's whole body different. was at the rim. It's just different how he jumps. It's just it's not even human. He did the Tracy McGrady drunk dunk better than Tracy McGrady. <laughs> it's like this is better than the Tracy McGrady dunk. <laughs> they showed yeah. that in the film. I'm like, yeah, I'm giving that one to Ant. <laughs> Yeah, he got the some... T-Mac did it at 6'9", and it got <laughs> higher at 6'3". <laughs> he got some serious, serious bounce. All right. All right, I think that's everything for the All-Star game. Yeah, that's a good recap of All-Star Weekend. I enjoyed it personally. I think, obviously, overall, the dunk contest, skills competition, certain things need to be reworked. But the game itself I found really fun. The three-point contest was great. And – they put on a show. I mean, without fans, without the, the show that you can usually have, 
for them to be able to do it and spend so much time focusing on HBCUs and, and trying yeah. to donate a lot of money. I thought that was really great of the NBA. I wish they had spent more time talking about like voting itself, but Hey, you know what? The HBCUs is good enough and they did donate a lot, a lot of money. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and it's, I important, saw a report. it's important to put on for H for HBCUs, especially like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Not, and I, I saw, yeah. Saw a report that no one got COVID out of the players, coaches, or officials. So that's that's always a good dump. Yeah, give it another two days. Yeah, and Joel Embiid <laughs> and Ben Simmons showed up and got contact trace. We didn't even talk about that. That's already a PR nightmare <laughs> that they're luckily avoiding. Yeah. Uh, if anything comes from this, if there was any contact tracing that leaks into the season because of this game, it is going to be a mess. Yeah. But now we're done with all-star stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the end-of-season awards. And – what would be the point about talking about something fun on this podcast if I didn't have some rant about why it's not fun and why it all sucks? Wow, I cannot wait until the end of the season so I can stop ruining everything. <laughs> so I'm going to start by saying this. Everyone always complains that there's no distinct criteria for any of these awards, especially MVP, especially. And then they try to argue with you. They say, well, there's no, like, designations. There's no, like... There's, not, there's nothing like telling you what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to vote for. Well, there's a – so if you're going to – so if you want to pick your MVP, that's fine. But if you want to look and make a prediction, I think this person is going to win MVP, not mm-hmm. I think this person should. You're going to say, I think they will. That's a prediction. Yeah. We can, we can, we can figure that out. We can look at trends. We can look at how voters have voted in the past and use that – to vote in the future. We don't need to just make up our own definition and say, I think they're going to win because of my definition. Because me, Joe Schmo, in a city without a, without a basketball team, says that's how they should pick the MVP. I believe NBA writers will agree with me, even though I'm not going to share this opinion with any of them. I'm not going to post it or send it out anywhere. I'm just going to say it out loud, and I hope that word of mouth gets it to all of them, and they all agree with me. <laughs> so we're going to look at trends. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna entertain the idea like look voters have broken trends before and I'm gonna talk about one time where they do it. Mm-hmm. It's happened before. We're not gonna entertain it because it's very very unlikely. And oh, if outlier. it's going to happen, <laughs> it's an outlier. And if it's going to happen, you see it coming. You see it coming. Obviously, I'm referring to the Russell Westbrook season, and I will yeah. explain why it is an outlier in a little bit. But that's what I'm talking about when you see it coming. Everyone knew he was winning MVP from, like, game 10. Yeah. So start with the MVP. This will be the definitive trend-based MVP analysis. And if you listen to this right now, everyone, get your phones out, get ready, and sit down. If you listen to this, you can repeat it to all your friends and sound superior to them. And what, and you know, a lot of people don't like being friends. This is what it's about. Make it being better than people. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's kick this off. Compared to history, this is the least competitive MVP award possibly ever. We're going to go through every pe- person, every like player's cases. I'm going to group them in bunches and explain mm-hmm. why each of the batches case is weak or is not strong enough to win. Let's start. If someone says the word James Harden or Giannis Antetokounmpo is the MVP, I'm going to slap them upside the head. I'm going to, I'm going to go by. I'm going to get over it. No, no. 
They are both having worse statistical seasons than the season before. Never has happened for a winner. A winner has mm-hmm. never had a down year and then won MVP. Giannis, we talked about on last week's pod, no chance. Harden ruined 12 games or 15% of the NBA season for the Rockets, which means they only have 85% of the season to have a good season. This is an important, this is an important number. Remember it. I'll reference it later. That counts. That counts. Don't tell me it doesn't count. Don't, don't tell me it doesn't count because he changed teams. That happened this season. It counts. Mm-hmm. That's 12 games that were ruined because of James Harden. That is one-sixth of the season that is ruined because of James Harden. So don't tell me it doesn't count or any, any of that madness. Do not start with that. There'll be more, there'll be more math coming later. Remember, I'm warning you guys. There's math ahead. Next batch of names. Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, Stephen Curry, Nikola Jokic. Hey, Chaz, do you know how many MVPs were worse than the third seed in their conference over the last 45 seasons? I believe there is only one. There is only one. And his name is Russell Westbrook. And he did something people thought we would never see again. He did Mm -hmm. something people thought could never happen in modern basketball. He did one of the most impressive historical feats, even if we've kind of dumped on it over the last few years, even if he's managed to do it again three times in a row. But what he did with 42 triple-doubles and averaging a triple-double, he has never done that before. Again, no one has gotten close to those numbers. Mm -hmm. He had more triple-doubles than half the games of the season. He averaged a triple-double for the season. It's historical. So until any of those four does something we have never seen before or gets a top three seed, they have no argument in my mind. None. All right, next crop. Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid. They, if they all continue to miss games at the rate with which they have been missing games this season – they would have the second lowest percentage of games played by an NBA MVP. And the, the, the guy who has the most is a far, far outlier. So I'm counting them as the lowest because it would be the lowest of the last 50 years. How about that? It would be the lowest of the last 50 years. The lowest belongs to Bill Walton in 1977, 1978, who played 70.7% of games. Allen Iverson is the second least of all time and the lowest in the last 50 years at 86.5%. All other MVPs have played more than 88%. Iverson is already the outlier compared to the norm. Most MVPs play in the mid to high 90s. Kawhi Leonard and Joel Embiid are on pace to play 83% of games this season. If Kevin Durant doesn't miss another game this season, he won't even play 83. He will not play 83 if he misses every game for the rest of the season. He might not play 80. Mm -hmm. Remember when we talked about James Harden? He ruined 15% of the season. So he's at best at 85% of games are good games. He's missed one less game than Kawhi and Embiid. He's not hitting that 86% mark. He's not getting mm-hmm. anywhere near 86% of good games. Or he might not even get to 83% of games played. 
he might not get 86% of games played. Probably won't. Probably won't. So they all fall to this argument. My next group of guys, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Devin Booker, CP3. Look, none have played head and shoulders better than their counterparts. I know there was a hot take for a little bit about CP3 being the MVP. He's had less than 10 points in a few games this season. Mm-hmm. Not happening. Not, it's not all about scoring. But I argue Devin Booker is the best player on that roster. Look at what Ricky Rubio is doing this season. Giving him a competent point guard might have just been all it took to unlock Devin Booker. They're going to be splitting votes. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert are going to be splitting votes. I don't, do I need to delve into that? No, I'm no. not going to delve into that. They're going to be splitting votes with their counterpart. None of them have these gaudy eye-popping stats either. So they're going to lose votes to all the, there, there's no chance. There's, there's no chance. I'm sorry. Unless one of them, unless Devin Booker has a crazy or Donovan Mitchell has a crazy second half of the season. All of this leaves one name. LeBron James. He doesn't have eye-popping stats, but the Lakers are not trying very hard. But they're staying fresh for the playoffs. But despite all that, they are the three seed. They are the three seed. They would be the two seed if that Sacramento Kings – I'm not going to get on that Sacramento Kings game. The last game of the season, the refs were phoning it in just as much as the players on that Buddy Heel three. Don't even start with me. Don't even start with me. <laughs> The Lakers would be the two seed. They'd be the three. They'd be the two seed. They should be the two seed. They are the three seed, despite tons of missed games by Anthony Davis. And basically all their starters have missed at least two games. The race is rough this year. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is a competitive. The race is rough this year. My top two are LeBron and Embiid in that order. But I'm not going to fault anyone for having it the other way around. I've had them jump over each other multiple times this year. I've had Embiid. If you catch me on one day, I'll say Embiid. If you catch me on the other, I'll say LeBron. Today and since the break, I've said LeBron. A couple of days before the break, I was saying Embiid. Mm-hmm. It's, it, they're, they're neck and neck in my eyes, but they are so far ahead of everyone else in the competition, in my opinion. But you know what? Even though I say that, I'm okay with you saying that there's another person in there, and I'm not going to flip out. I'm not going to say that's crazy. I'm not going to say you're crazy if you think Nikola Jokic could be the second or, or anything like that. I think you're wrong, and I think I could point to this and be like, hey, like he might be the MVP of your definitions, but if you look at historical trends, it's not happening. You're not getting a Nikola Jokic MVP unless his team can start winning some more games, which is mm-hmm. not impossible. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, this season, I think the MVP race is going to be especially a little bit weirder just because it is a COVID year where players are missing games and teams are missing games, not necessarily for all the same reasons as they normally would. Like, guys, I understand your your point of having to play mid to high 90% of the games played, but because of this season and the way that it's been with the extra amounts of back-to-backs and usual and the conflicted scheduling, that means that Joel Embiid can be in the top two conversation, if he, even if he doesn't even play 80% of games, because guess what? Most guys aren't going to play above 90. So LeBron, I don't know if he even finishes above 90. LeBron has missed one game this season. So far. So far. So far. And I don't think he's going to coast the second half. LeBron might play 90. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say, like, look, like Joel Embiid has the eye-popping stats. That's why, he's, that's why he's my top two. That's why he's sometimes my number one, because he has the stats – that are just out of this world. He is the entire 76ers team. 
he is amazing. Like I, I get mm-hmm. the Joel Embiid argument. I'm with you. But yeah. if he misses less, if he plays less than 80, I can't in my good faith say that he's the MVP. You know, I, I can't mm-hmm. look at the trends and say, I think he's going to win because I think they're going to look at it and they're going to say LeBron played every game. Mm-hmm. LeBron played, LeBron played every single game. Joel Embiid would be the lowest games played by an MVP in the last, since Bill Walton. Like, yeah. You know, I think if it comes down to it and LeBron does play the majority of the second half, like stays above, let's say, 65 games played for the season, I think he's definitely going to be in the driver's seat for that, especially with his numbers start trending up a little bit when Anthony Davis comes back. You know, his assists are going to go up a little more. His score is going to go up just because of the gravity that Anthony Davis brings. I think Damian Lillard is a dark horse number three in this race for me just because the way the Trailblazers team is trending, I think they're on the right direction right now. They seem to be playing really good ball. If he can get them up near like a three or four seed and also start averaging some crazy numbers the way he has been, especially he's, he's with his already clutch averaging scoring. crazy numbers. He's already averaging crazy numbers and having the craziest clutch scoring. I'm I'll entertain Damian Lillard for third. I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. If I if if I had a vote, if my vote mattered and I had a vote and I had to vote right now, I would one be very angry. <laughs> I'll that I'll start it off with that. I'd be very angry. Mm-hmm. Um but I my three and four would be Damian Lillard and Jokic. And I'd have to figure it out on the spot. I'd have to really sit there and think and be like, okay, who's getting it? Well, I might and have Steph over Jokic. I can't have Steph over Jokic because the Warriors aren't in the playoffs right now. Well, they're in the play-ins. They're in the play-ins. They're not in the playoffs. They're not in the at-large. I don't think the Nuggets are either. They are. They're the six. They're the last oh, spot the in the at-large. Right now? And That's fair. The, they are also one game below the Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're uh, they're segmenting. The West is segmenting, and I'm excited to see how that shakes up. Mm-hmm. But look, just to close it out, the season isn't over. There's a lot of basketball to play. Joel Embiid could not miss another game for the rest of the season, and that might be enough for him to make all to, to win. In my opinion, that might be enough for me. Mm-hmm. This isn't the MVP race the last few years where there's an obvious two-man race by the middle of the season. This isn't the MVP race where we know who it's going to be early. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, and I don't think we need to go on first take and, and, and speak for yourself and all these other great programs that I love and I would love to be on, and please hire me because I'd love to be on. I think I'd have some great content to help you guys work with. All these great, great shows, you don't need to be talking about that ever. Like, not for another few weeks. You don't need to be having an MVP rat ladder and all that. There's mm-hmm. plenty of other fun stuff to talk about that is not based on an award that just it's too early for. Mm-hmm. All right. Now that this MVP ranting is done, it was actually a better conversation than I thought it would be. Uh, now that all that's done, let's look at some other awards. And we're going to kind of speed run through the next few because they're obvious. This is not the most competitive year for awards, which is kind of, I mean, and not in a bad way. Like last year, a lot of awards were, were no, were, or two years ago, I think it was, a lot of awards were no competition in a bad way. Where it was like, mm-hmm. well, who even cares who wins? Just give it to, just give the Sixth Man of the Year award to Jamal Crawford because he's the best. Because he's Jamal Crawford, you know. We're not getting a uh, uh, throwing our hands up and being like, okay, they get the award. We're getting a real guy with the award here. Sixth Man of the Year, it's Jordan Clarkson, right? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much locked it up. So I didn't mean to cut you off immediately. <laughs> No, I mean, the only other person I could even entertain is Slim Duck, obviously, and Terrence Ross, but they're not there right now. It would take a dramatic fall off Bobby Jordan Clarkson. 
I was going to say Bobby Portis. I, I mean, Bobby Portis, in my opinion, has been the second because he's the best. He's the best center on Milwaukee. Uh, I think Milwaukee needs to give him more minutes for him to get that. But he can definitely do it for I them. Think, I think he should start. Um, mm-hmm. I should start. Whatever. I like Monty. I, I like Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis actually came out. Someone asked him in an interview. He said, "So you're you're really in the running for six man of the year? Do you think you're going to win it?" He said, or, or something like that. And he goes, "Now stop, man. It's Jordan. It's Jordan Clarkson's award this year. Just leave it." Mm-hmm. Bobby no, Portis, I'm... a real one. We love the humbleness. We love. Yeah. We love brotherhood too. That's just I don't know. I love little moments like that. I'm sad it didn't blow up more. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson's having an amazing season. I think it's honestly a shame for a bunch of guys because there's in other years there's a lot of guys who are having good years off the bench that could be at least recognized a little bit more. But Jordan Clarkson is just blowing everybody out of the water this season. He's oh, yeah. he's going nuts. Absolutely. So moving on from that, coach of the year, keeping up with the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder. Yeah. Uh, if the Utah Jazz say is the one two, if the Suns take the one seed, then it'll be Monty Williams. Mm-hmm. If the LA's reclaim both of the top two seeds in the in the West, then it's gonna be whoever's coach of the one seed in the East. Yeah, right? Like, Jazz, I, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Steve Nash is a dark horse just because it's his first year. If they go as the one seed, best record in the league. Yeah, Obviously, that's, that's what's gonna players, take. But, that's what's gonna take yeah. though, like the being the one seed in the league. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that being the bar. You know, it's a totally fine bar in my opinion. Yeah. Rookie of the year. One, two, three, LaMelo. LaMelo. <laughs> he leads in points, rebounds, assists, and steals, not just per game, but total two. Yeah. It's not a competition. It's it's not. Yes, we all love Terry's Halliburton. Yes, we all love a bunch of these rookies. It's not a competition. Moving on. Executive mm-hmm. of the year. I think it's also very easily going to go to Daryl Morey for fixing the, the 76ers. I think that's going to be mm. a huge story because the Sixers – they're 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 a coastal team, I think. I think they count as a coastal team. There yeah. is they're a bigger market. Everyone keeps up with the process. The NBA loves putting down Sam Hankey and propelling everyone else involved in the 76ers organization. What I didn't say that. Um, I think it's Daryl Morey's award to lose. Like fixing the 76ers is great for the NBA's bottom line, and I think they're going to reward that. Yeah, I mean, I got uh, I right now. I'm really torn between Sean Marks and James Jones over in Phoenix. I think James Jones has put together a quality team. They've drafted and traded really well recently. Mm-hmm. I like the guys that they've put around Evan Booker and Chris Paul and obviously getting Chris Paul. Then Sean Marks, just what's going on in Brooklyn right now is kind of looks like it could be historic. So yeah, might I just get a don't think they, I don't, I mean, I'd have to look through the logs of executive of the year, but I don't think they usually give it to someone who pulls in superstars. I don't think that's usually how it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know though. I'm, I'm, I haven't sit down, sat down with the pen and paper. I was just like, who cares about yeah. executive of the year except for like <laughs> executives and like when it's that time of the year, the end of the year. Like, mm-hmm. what was it? Masai Ujiri won executive of the year and then got fired. Like, it's not yep. a reward, an award that's highly regarded and provides you any sort of job security, which is sad and was a mistake by the Nuggets. Haunt them forever. Um, yeah, also, like, James Johnson – or James Jones, yeah, I like that too. Uh, yeah, it's, if Phoenix uh, can get that one seed. Yeah. Depends how much credit they give to just bringing in Chris Paul versus looking at him bringing in one drafting Cam, Cam Johnson, turning bringing in Campaign, who's become a legitimate NBA player, bringing mm-hmm. in um, 
Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. I was going to say Frank Kaminsky and Dario Saric, two guys mm-hmm. who the league had basically forgotten about and are now like, hey, we're ballers. What's good? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what's going on in Phoenix, like that culture of the team, some of it can and should be attributed to having a guy like James Jones who's been through the league and been to so many different finals with LeBron that he, he, he knows what it takes. He knows what the grind is required. He gets the guys required that are going to do the work, and it seems to be working out real well for them. I hope he gets his flowers as, a, as an executive. All right. MIP, finally a real discussion. A small one. Mm-hmm. I think it's Jeremy Grant or Julius Randle. Um, Christian Wood would have an argument if he didn't miss so much time. Uh, if he comes back and he doesn't miss any games, I think he could win it. Mm-hmm. It's obvious his value to that um, to that um, Rockets team. Uh, Chris Boucher, also great candidate, but Randall made the all-star game, and Grant is the first option on a team and averaging over 20 a game. I don't think it's impossible that he could beat one of them out, I just look at both of those and I'm like, I don't know, you know, like, because the people that aren't going to vote for yeah. Jeremy Grant are going to vote for Julius Randle. The people that don't aren't impressed with Jeremy Grant are going to be impressed with Julius Randle. The people that aren't impressed with Julius Randle are going to be impressed with Jeremy Grant. And I think that mm-hmm. kind of just puts Boucher in that weird middle zone where he's not really getting either of the, either of the sides of the discussions votes. Yeah, I think Julius Randle benefits a lot. We mentioned this before, and it's not necessarily a bad thing at all, but having Coach Thibodeau with him, a guy who loves to play his his big stars, big minutes, like Julius Randle's getting a lot of minutes, a lot of touches, and getting a lot of numbers as a result. But, hey, that Knicks team is winning, so mm-hmm. if if he's bringing the fourth seed back to the mm-hmm. Mecca, then I think it's his award to run away with. As good as Jeremy Grant's been this year, if, if Julius Randle's doing this. As someone who watched Julius Randle for years – I can tell you he's improved a lot. <laughs> he has gotten a lot better than when he was on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Also, just shout out to that Lakers drafting team, by the way, really quickly. Jordan Clarkson, one draft. D'Angelo Russell and Larry Nance, the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Ingram, the next one. Julius Randle, the next one. So that's three All-Stars. Uh, an MIP, maybe a second MIP. Probable sixth, sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson. And Larry Nance who might um, – who's? I mean, he's just a great winning player who's having a great yeah. – who looks like he's going to have a nice, solid, long career. And he was a late lottery pick. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool, I, think, I think one other guy in the MIP discussion, he's, he's not there yet, but I think he might be there on his way very soon, is Mikel Bridges. I think he's having a, a great year for Phoenix, and his numbers are improved. Like, in other years, if there weren't guys jumping up to what Julius and Jeremy are doing, he would be an entertaining look because his, all his averages are up, his percentages are up, and his team is winning really well, and he's an important piece to them. But And, and he's he, added a lot to his game, too. It's not even just raw numbers. It's the fact that he's added to mm-hmm. his game. Like, Julius Randle has become more efficient in what he does. Zach Levine made the all-star game because he became more efficient at what he does. Mikhail mm-hmm. Bridges said, I'm going to become a better player and I'm going to add stuff to my game that people weren't ready for. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, it's a different type of improvement and I love it. You know, I'm not dishing on Julius Randle or Zach Levine for the ways that they improved. 
I'm more just saying this is an impressive, it's a different way to improve, and I like it, you know? Yeah, that's why I think he might be one or two years away from this award. He could be. He adds a step to his game this year, then gets his efficiencies up and his numbers up, and all of a sudden just, he's a 20-point-per-game all-star. I just think he's going to improve too gradually, you know? I don't think it's going to be – unless he be, mm-hmm. makes all-star game next year, I think mm-hmm. his improvement is going to be too gradual for him to ever win one. And I think that's a big compliment. That's I'm not being yeah. like a disrespectful way to you for making the call or Mikael Bridges, for- but I just look at it. I'm like, this dude is just so good, and he's adding so much to his game. Mm-hmm. And like, if this season had happened last season, I'm mean, actually last season was pretty competitive too. Yeah. Two years ago, I think he would have won it. But mm-hmm. this is a really competitive MIP award with two guys or. I mean, not really competitive, but like the top, the comp, the top of the competition is really high. The bar is really high in this discussion, for sure. So this leaves us with one award: the Defensive Player of the Year. Finally, a real discussion. I'm excited. So we're gonna start with the major trend. Mm-hmm. And I am taking this. It's a very low bar that I'm putting out. Your team has to be top ten in defense to win this award. I I I haven't been able to sit there and write it all out. I don't have the full spreadsheet. But I went through as many teams as I could before my eyes started to bleed. <laughs> I have not found one team that was not top 10 in defense that won the award. Or defensive rating that's won the award. That's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's. It, I know it's arbitrary. And Chaz, I gave you some trouble a few episodes ago because you said I liked arbitrary stats. And I was like, no, I hate arbitrary stats. <laughs> But with awards, it's all about relativity. There's no way to outright win, a, win an award. It's a vote. There's a vote. It's impressing people. So relativity, it matters. Arbitrary stats, they matter. Mm-hmm. I'll say this, though. Numbers don't win championships. Teams win championships. Numbers do win awards, though. Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep talking about numbers. So now back to this. Top 10 defenses, I'm going to list them out. Lakers. Knicks, Suns, Jazz, 76ers, Warriors, Thunder, Grizzlies, Heat, Spurs. Very surprised by a few teams on the list. Just want to put it out there. Mm-hmm. And now if you really want to be like, John, you're, being, you're cutting it off too early. You need to put the cutoff lower. You need to – no, 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 no. A great defender could be on Team 11. The next two are the Rockets and the Bucks. If you go any lower, you're looking at teams that are average defensively. You're not winning the DPOI on an average defensive team. That's just not happening. It's just a fact of the matter. You're just not because the best defenders anchor a team's defense and bring the defensive rating up. Even Kawhi Leonard was able to do that from the wing. Draymond mm-hmm. Green could do that switching around. Like mm-hmm. the best defenders at least make their team's defense good. Solidly yeah. good. So yeah, Miles Turner isn't a real candidate for winning. <laughs> Miles Turner, I mean, he's having a great year. In he can make your ballot. He can make your ballot. You can make your ballot. Low on it, but uh, he's not a real candidate to win. And I'm sorry, call it a hot take. I, everyone says DPOY candidate. I'm like, I'm sorry. He's just a really good defender this year. Mm-hmm. But it's not translated defensive uh, rating, and that's important that's important for being part of a good defense it's not translated to his team having a good defense the best defenders are on good defensive teams moving on let's take a look at these top 10 teams and who could win dpoy on them anthony davis rudy gobert ben simmons 
Joel Embiid, Draymond Green, and Bam Adebayo. Did I did, did I miss anybody? I mean, there, there's a few guys on this list that I think we'll save for when we get into the discussion, but there's a couple guys I think I would throw on there that haven't been mentioned. That's totally fair. And that's not my top five or six or whatever, by the way. That's just the names in the order of the teams, one to ten, as I looked at them and I wrote, who could win DPLI on this team? Mm-hmm. So we both – I texted Chaz early. We actually both made ballots. We both made our fake ballots that mean nothing. And we're going to start with our one and we're going to build down because I hate lists that build up and try to build suspense at who's the number one. That doesn't work on podcasts unless it's only one person talking. You got to build up on a podcast if there's going to be discussion. So, Chaz, we're going to start with number one. Who do you have? Who is your defensive player of the year favorite? Um, it, it's the boring pick. It's the right pick, though, and it's uh, Ben Simmons from yep. the Australia mate. He is the best defender in the NBA this season individually, and his team defense is one of the best, as John had mentioned earlier, I think third best in the league right now. Fifth, which yeah. Fifth best, either way. Joel Embiid obviously does a lot to help anchor the defense, and I think that's going to detract a little bit from the Ben Simmons vote. People are going to say that he's he's not as important as a defensive player as some other guys because they're a little bit less with less help. But it, people who are actually watching Ben Simmons defend and play basketball will see that he guards every single position at an elite weight, at an elite level. I think Doc said it best recently over All-Star break. He was saying how Ben Simmons, like, every he could play every position, and every time you play against Ben Simmons, you know you're playing against Ben Simmons because he makes you feel his presence defensively. And I think that's something that we don't see a lot in the NBA nowadays is a guy who every single matchup against him is like, okay, yeah, I have Ben Simmons guarding me now because I, I he is Ben Simmons. Like, mm-hmm. he's that good. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you hit the nail on that. He's the best man-to-man <laughs> defender in the league, period. It's usually when you say best man-to-man defender in the league, you have to specify best man-to-man defender at big men, best man-to-man mm-hmm. defender at big guards, at little guards, at, at big wings, at switchy this. Ben Simmons is the best <laughs> man-to-man defender against everybody in the league. Except for Lou Dort guarding James Harden. <laughs> that is the one exception. The one mm-hmm. exception is Ben Simmons is the second best player defending James Harden. Every other player, there is not one other player on the league that I would say, I want James, I want Ben Simmons guarding him. I don't care who you're rolling out. Who? I don't care. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's Joel Embiid. I don't care if it's Stephen Curry. I don't care if it's Isaiah Thomas. I don't care where you're throwing me on this, on the spectrum of players that we're going against. I want Ben Simmons guarding them. Yeah, that's enough to be DPOY in my book. And the media seems to be thinking the same thing from what I've heard around. I don't think mm-hmm. that Joel Embiid is going to take too much away from his case, especially because Joel Embiid is very much on that, uh, what's it called? MVP watch. MVP watch, and no one's talking about his defense anymore. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, might if I go first? Yeah, give us your, your second best runner-up right now. Could overtake Ben Simmons if somehow he falls off. Anthony, Anthony Davis would be in this spot if he didn't miss so many games. That's fair. But the way that Lakers defense looked when he was on the court was just insanity. Mm-hmm. In terms of if you tell me I can't, I, I need to pick one player to guard anyone in the league and I'm not allowed to pick Ben Simmons, Yeah, I'm picking Anthony Davis. 
He might be uh, number two. <laughs> he is. He might even be number one because of the way that he's also a rim protector and the other stuff that he does on defense. He's mm-hmm. he's definitely the most vers- – he, he's Draymond, prime Draymond Green on roids. He's, he is one of the most interesting – he is the most interesting modern defender we have. Ever since the verticality rule, he is the epitome, ep- ep- epitome of breaking the rule. He mm-hmm. does everything you could ever need but he just missed too many games. So for my actual number two vote, that doesn't matter at all, is Bam Adebayo. Mm. The way he holds together that Miami defense is a masterpiece. Jimmy Butler is the only other player that is a positive two-way player. Everyone else on that roster is garbage on one end of the court. And Bam Adebayo, I mean, I should only be talking about defense. I'm mostly talking about defense here. Mm-hmm. But I'm also mentioning the offense because I just love – I'm giving an ode to Bam Adebayo right here. Bam Adebayo just picks up where everybody leads off. That Miami Heat roster, I'm not saying they'd be bottom five in the league if they didn't have Bam Adebayo, but I'm not saying that I'm confident that they wouldn't be. Mm. Outside, like I do think that people would step up and they'd win a bunch of games. <laughs> but with Bam Adebayo, they are a championship contender based on the legs of our defense funnels towards Bam Adebayo. Yeah, That'll forever I'm- be – a trump card and they're a top there where what are they they're they're number nine they're not amazing but you have to think of all the games that they've missed that everyone's mm-hmm. been missing all the random rotations pretty much i mean the raptors are usually a top defense and they are not part of the top even 13 do i have mm-hmm. the list over here i do they are the, the toronto raptors i can't find them um i can't find them oh they're right here they're 15 they're right in the middle great defensive teams are fluttering because of these mm-hmm. covid missed games the Miami Heat are not because Bam Adebayo has been there for most of the season and has anchored them to such a forward extent with it. I, I'm thrilled you had Bam Adebayo here because it makes my second pick so much easier because you know what I had is that Miami Heat teammate and Jimmy Butler. <laughs> That's a hot take. I, I, I like think, it. I think Jimmy Butler has been long time slept on as one of the best and most versatile defenders in the NBA. I think the reason that that Miami Heat team is only ninth right now is on the back of Bam Adebayo and the fact that Jimmy Butler's missed so many games that they couldn't be a top-five defense because they would be. The What Jimmy Butler brings to the team, especially this year where we're noticing a lot more the missing of a guy like Jay Crowder at the four. Iguodala doesn't play as many regular season minutes as he usually does in the playoffs and doesn't play as well in the regular season as he does in the playoffs. Yeah. So it, it's very noticeable. And what Jimmy's been doing on the floor, I mean, he is one of the best defenders in the league. He's averaging about two steals a game. Like, the numbers are up there. But really, for Defensive Player of the Year, it's one of those awards that goes straight to the eye test when you're really talking about who's the best player out here right now. And I think Jimmy's one of those guys that whenever he switches on to you, you know it. He could take anyone in the post on the perimeter. And he also is very, very safe about how he goes about his business. Like, he draws – of the guys who draw so many fouls, He's like the second least fouls per defensive play in the NBA right now behind like TJ McConnell or Tyus Jones. I think, you know, like the amount that Jimmy Butler provides to you being a primary defender for the entire night and also staying in almost every game you need him to, I think is what puts him ahead of this list. And he's just one of my favorite guys. I hope he gets a DPOY. He he deserves to be on the ballot. I have no issues with you putting him, uh, Mm-hmm. You putting him at number two. I love – I mean, he's not – I'm going to be honest, he's not even on my ballot. Not going to lie. Well, I don't think you could have two Heat players anyway. So. Exactly. Like, that just seems weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I totally get 
Jimmy, Jimmy Butler for that that spot. Fully there. Yeah. Number three. Do you want to take it? I mean, I think it's only fair. For the record, I would have Anthony Davis here if he was healthy for most of the season, but I, I don't have him in my list just because he hasn't played enough for me to be on here right now. So it's it's gonna go to Rudy Gobert. As much as I don't necessarily want him to win a third DPOY when you're the best defender on the best defensive team in the NBA, you definitely deserve some votes. He's not. And, they're not they're not even a top three defense. Don't start with that. Don't 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 inflate him any more than you need to. Come on. And for as much as he goaltends instead of actually blocking shots, Rudy is a funneling force in the paint. And if you watch the Utah Jazz, you know the, the reason that they are able to win so many games and are able to clamp down so well is because they can run all over the perimeter and they're not afraid to let guys get into the paint because they know Rudy is there to cause a lot of shot. He, he does a lot of shot disrupting, not shot blocking or stack getting, but he just makes it harder for guys to score than it normally would be and allows people to crash the board. So I think I have him a third on my list. Um, I have him, I have him as fourth on my list. Uh, I don't know. I'll explain why he's suffering. He's suffering from the DPLY version of Harden syndrome, in my opinion. He's won twice now, but his team's only beaten one team in the playoffs. He looked mm-hmm. unplayable at times in the playoffs. That hurts his case a lot. Some someone said it really. Chris Vernon said it well. He got eaten alive by Zion and beaten Jokic the in the last like week of the season. Yep. He's not the best defender in the NBA. He's the best help defender in the NBA. Mm -hmm. what was it i saw a play and i actually almost sent it to you but i couldn't i was watching it live and i couldn't find the highlight the highlight never showed up where joel Embiid slammed the ball in the paint and just went right through rudy gobert rudy gobert landed on the ground and i was like rudy gobert losing his entire mvp case in one play like yeah and that's no disrespect to rudy i think he's still on my list don't get me wrong but he's not gonna be that high for me i i'm cool with him being lower but he's not top three my number three, I think you're gonna like. My number three is Draymond Green. Gosh. Look, he's still one of the most impactful defenders in the entire NBA, and he is the war- the Golden State Warriors' entire defensive engine. That's the number six defensive rating in the league. They're g- going into the season. If you told me at the start of this, like going into the season, if you looked around and you looked at the Warriors roster, once Clay Thompson went down. There's only one player that people would even consider a good defender. Mm-hmm. Today, someone said that Wigan needs to make the all-defensive team. <laughs> Ubre is a positive defender. Wiseman's playing great defense for a rookie. Mm-hmm. Why? Juan Toscano Anderson, some random dude is stepping up. Why? Because they're the best defensive mentor in the league. No one adds more to a defense than Draymond Green being on the floor, even if he's not the one who's creating the steal, who's getting the block. The, everyone knows where to be because of his communication on defense, and you can't track that. You can't track that. But having him there makes the defense so much better, even when he's on the bench. Having the intensity just in the game for them is the only reason the Warriors' defense is any good. Because mm-hmm. they, they don't have good defenders. You don't look around and like, these are guys that are historically good defenders. Andrew Wiggins, I'm pretty sure, graded out as one of the worst defenders in the league just like three years ago when he was in Minnesota. Now everyone's saying all defensive team. And they're not wrong to. He's good. They're not wrong to. Wiggins Island nowadays, he's a lock-up zone. I look at all all this, and I'm like, that's that's my opinion. That's my third. I'm fine with it. And I'm fine with you telling me he's not. But 
We're a very Draymond Green positive podcast. I'm putting him there. And you you know me. I'm never going to say Draymond doesn't belong there. I'll put Draymond first ahead of everybody because Draymond Green is my favorite defender who's ever played in the NBA. But I think he he definitely does so much for that team. And what we see with Draymond, I, I'm so excited to see his post-career, what he's able to do and what comes out about what he brings to a team in the locker room. is just – it's so impactful. I, well, I could listen to Draymond speak about basketball and just – camaraderie and teamwork for days <laughs> whatever draymond green does after basketball he's going to be amazing at it i mean he's an amazing if he decides to coach he's going to be amazing if he decides to go mm-hmm. into into the talking head business like us he's going to be amazing if he decides to go into front office i bet he's going to be amazing like yeah. whatever he's going to do if he just decides to be a skills trainer for like nba guys to come and learn how to play better defense he's going to be amazing whatever he does Chaz, who's your number? You, we all know my number four is Rudy Gobert. I just said it. Did I say it? Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert's not my number four. Chaz, who's your number four? Well, I had alluded to the fact that Anthony Davis can't win this award for me right now because he hasn't played enough, so I'm going to give it to somebody else on the Lakers. And let him get his first, and I think he deserves it. And I know you want to give it to him because I can see it in your face right now. <laughs> Go ahead and say it for me if you want to right now, but I think the king does deserve something here. Just a kid from Akron, LeBron James. Oh, man, don't even get me started. I wasn't ready for that. Zero percent ready for that. Yeah, I, 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 have him, I have him as fifth, and I wanted, I wanted to put him higher, but I was worried you'd yell at me. Mm-mm. I wanted to put him first. <laughs> I, I wanted to put him higher, but I was like, can I really justify that? I really don't think he's going to win it. I can't in my own heart of hearts. Put him that high, knowing that with the trends, there's no way he's going to win it. I know that the the trends point to the wrong direction for LeBron. If he was going to win a DPOI, it probably wouldn't be in year 36, 37. Uh, but, like, no time like the president. I mean, this team, like you mentioned, they are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. If Anthony Davis continues to miss time throughout the season and they remain one of the best teams, I don't think Joel Embiid – he gets MVP. I'm not sure how they feel about giving two awards to Philly this year. And I think LeBron, is if he can't get the MVP award, is, is going to be looking for something. The DPOI voting could go in his favor. And with that, I don't think anyone would care about giving LeBron MVP and DPOI. I don't think anyone would be. But I, we talk a lot about investing in players. When you give a player award, an award, you're investing in their future success. Set When the league, when he's holding that trophy, you can the championship trophy, you could say, League MVP and 2020 whatever NBA champion Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's what they're hoping for when they gave Giannis two MVPs and a DPOY. You give LeBron an MVP and a DPOY. He goes, it's it's four-time champion, five-time MVP, four-time, five-time MVP, Mm -hmm. one-time MVP, DPOY, all LeBron James. And that's, that's, no one's going to complain about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I, if they stay in the number one seed and Anthony Davis keeps missing time, the number one defense and Anthony Davis keeps missing time, maybe. But Anthony Davis is probably going to be back. So, um, yeah. And to be fair, I'm not me too excited at the possibility. I, you know, you can't get me this excited, Chess, and then just move on. It's not fair. I, 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 I don't want even... it. I want LeBron MVP DPOY so badly now. I hadn't even, the thought had not even <laughs> crossed my mind. I had him run his fifth on mine because he's high, he's having a great defensive season by all advanced metrics. He's second in NBA.com defensive win shares. He's second in B-ball ref 
defensive win shares. Those are different formulas, by the way. Mm-hmm. He's top 15 in defensive box plus minus. He's fifth in defensive rating on NBA.com. I'm not saying he's going to win. The stats point like to him being a really good defender this year. I mean, I watched the game and I see LeBron being more impactful on a defensive end than I feel like I have in a long time. I think the the style of play that this Lakers team runs a lot of just the fast break, get into the lanes, it benefits him a lot. And he's getting a lot of steals. He's Ding up a lot more than he, he has in the past. And I mean, I like what he's doing. I for the record, my fifth guy, you already mentioned him. He was on my list because you know I couldn't leave him off my DPOI list. It was Draymond Green because of nice. what he brings to the team. And I think Obviously, shout out, shout out the Canadian boys, the Montreal legends, because we play that defense in the city. Lou Dort, he honestly like should be on this list if we were talking about just best individual man-on-man defenders in the NBA. Lou Dort is is top five in my opinion. But the Thunder also have the seventh-rated defense. Just putting that out there, I, I it wouldn't be an indefensible pick. I mean, I, I don't think, think you could make the pick. I if we're doing it based on trends of voters, we can't make the pick, but. I wouldn't hate you if you put him fifth. I got him on the sixth just outside, but I think Lou is having a great year. Chris Boucher having a great year defensively. Yeah. We, we play defense in the 5 one 4 I'll tell we you that do. much. We do. Chris Boucher, you guys are going to – the NBA is not ready to see Chris Boucher in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're not ready for the defensive versatility that he's going to bring. They are going to be mm-hmm. shocked by what he can do. Also, uh, just while we're doing my honorable mention, uh, I, I, I had to mention Miles Turner. Mm. Not – not because I do think that he's sixth, um, but just because, like, look, he's having a great – he's having an absolutely amazing season. And I dumped on him a little earlier when I said he wasn't going to make my ballot because his defensive team was too bad. But he's had a great defensive season. And mm. I don't – and, I mean, like, Indiana has been hit with injury bugs, not even just COVID, harder than most other teams. They're missing two starters, TJ Warren and Karis LeVert, the entire season. Um, and I won't write that off. I told you I won't write it off for the organization. I'll write it off for the player. I'll write it off for the player every day. He doesn't get to. He doesn't get to do the trades. He doesn't get to pick who does and doesn't get set for Victor Oladipo. That's not his department. He just has to deal with the fact that he has two non-starters starting. So you know yeah. what? He's doing his best. He's locking up. If the Pacers get to be a top six defense in half a season, which I don't think they can, unless they literally have a number one for the rest of the season. Yeah. Maybe he'd have an argument. Meantime, he's just a great defender. Wanted to shout him out. All right. So, Chaz, with that DPOY ending, mm-hmm. I want to know what you've been up to with all this time off. No games. What, what have you been doing? And don't, don't – we, we had to edit it out what Josh is doing on the uh, – we had to edit out Josh's uh, no basketball activities. So, please don't give me any more editing work. What has replaced watching games for you besides crying and staring into the abyss, the abyss staring back into you? Because that's all I've been doing. Mm. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I've been doing a lot of that too. I've been get, getting very friendly with my abyss recently. <laughs> uh, I've been uh, depression you know, podcasts. I've replaced watching games with, in fact, watching more basketball games. I've nice. just just watched more college ball. You know, it's it's championship weekend. It's tournament weekend all over the the country right now. Leading up to March Madness, you got all the regionals and all the conference tournaments going on. So it's exciting to watch these competitive games. A lot of rivalry games coming down the stretch. Some great players. So watching a lot of college ball and I, I bake cookies tonight because I oh, just had nothing else to do. <laughs> delicious. I'd love some cookies. My mom made a little bit of cookies today. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I've been doing a lot of NCAA basketball. I've been doing a little mm-hmm. bit of the G League too. Yeah. I'm going to say it. The energy of the NCAA is better than the energy of the G League. But G League basketball is just such a better product. <laughs> and I mean, it's because you're taking the best players out of college and putting them all onto a roster. With NBA coaches. With NBA coaches <laughs> and with a couple extra years. Like, yes, it's going to be a better product. But I love that G League Ignite team so much. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of that. G- I love the G League. I love – I'm watching a lot of college ball too. While we're here, I want to say I was looking at Luca Garza. Yeah. I was watching Luca Garza, and I realized someone should just take him in the late first or, like, early second. He's not a top 20 pick or anything. He's going to be a bench player for you. Yep. But what part of Luca Garza can't be Frank Kaminsky or Dario Saric? Like, what part of his game isn't able to become one of those two players? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at his foot speed and his combine drills, stuff like that. How I'll tell you that. That's, I know it's not good. It is, it's just more about how he translates to the NBA game. But he is one of those guys. He's such a talented scorer, such a big guy with such a soft touch of the ball. Like He, he seems like he should be able to find his way onto an NBA roster and be effective no matter what. Like, like if he's, if he's, I, I, I don't know if he wants to go to the NBA. I don't know what his thoughts are because he has a Slavalkan. He has some sort of. I think his dad's from Montenegro, so he's got a European passport. Mm. So he might just go to Europe and make more money, and he'd yeah. probably be the best player in the league there, like from day one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, Euroleague, he would dog it. Absolutely dominate. So there's a chance that he doesn't even go to the NBA. I imagine he'll declare for the draft and see what it's looking like and if no one's going to take him with a first. But I would take that risk if I'm like a late team and I'm like, huh, I could possibly use a bench big to go get buckets for the regular season. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Like, Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky are part of the rotation for the Phoenix Suns, the number two seed in the West. Like, yeah. I look at them and I'm like, Luca Garza can do that. Why not? <laughs> And he also, I guess, with the European passport, he has the potential to maybe going overseas for a year or two, a draft and staff type situation where it's like he's signed with the EuroLeague team for a year, gets drafted, come back. A lot of players do that with the Australian League. And, I mean, some guys benefit a lot from getting that extra year of pro ball in somewhere else to help make them their transition to a little bit easier to the NBA afterwards. Agreed. All right. It's been about an hour 15. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great place to end the episode. It has been Ball Talk. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in always. We would be nothing without you, and your support means the world to us. Please mm-hmm. keep joining us. Please keep coming on our clubhouse. Please keep following and liking our Instagrams. Thank you clubhouse. all so much. When is the clubhouse, John? Clubhouse is Wednesday night at 9 p.m. DM the account. DM my account. Text me. I, I have extra invites. I will invite you personally. It's a great time. Come. We'll talk ball. It's casual. It's awesome. Please get on. Please come watch the show. Please watch our Instagrams. We love you that, guys. That account you're talking about, that's Ball Talk Official, right? Ball Talk Official, Ball Talk John Sock. Follow them both. Reach us out on both. I'll get you on both. I don't care. <laughs> Thank Absolutely. you, Chaz, for covering my bases. Always <laughs> a pleasure to film with you, my man. Hold I love down. you, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been Ball Talk. <laughs>